Hey friend, I'm Beth Ann Schwamberger, host of the Brilliant Business Moms podcast. This show is all about brilliant women, just like you, who are growing their businesses in the margins. You're juggling nap time and work time, wiping up messes with writing blogs, and I don't believe you need big, impressive numbers or shiny accolades behind your name to be brilliant. This show is about realistic, doable strategies that will work for you and your business right where you are. Big and little wins are celebrated here, and every single one of my listeners is a big deal in my book. Grab your coffee, and maybe the laundry, and be encouraged by business mamas who'll make working in the margins just a little more fun. Okay, friends, so what do you do when you're in a super specific niche? and you're trying to find your ideal customers. Well, you could spend a few years trying to scoop up that teeny tiny bit of Google traffic that might appreciate your topic and might be searching for it, but what if there's just not a large portion of people that are actively searching for your topic, yet at the same time, you knew that if you could just get in front of those people and show them hey, I exist, I'm here, and I can help you, you know that they're just going to love what you have to say and the products that you have to offer. Well, one solution to this problem is running Facebook ads because there are so many interesting things you can do, so many different interest blends or lookalike audiences that you can create to help you reach your ideal customer right in the Facebook feed or right in the Instagram feed. That's exactly what Brandis Lardner has done of gracefilledplate.com. You're going to love hearing from Brandis. And to be quite honest, she surprised me with how, <laughs> how awesome things are going with her Facebook ads. Now, it hasn't been a perfect process. She's run into a few hurdles, so you'll get to hear about that too and some of the lessons learned. But you're going to love hearing from Brandis. Now, if you're interested in learning more about how to find your ideal customers with ads, you can head to brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash ads. That's ADS. Now let's get to the show. So today on the show, I'm so excited to have Brandis Lardner with me from gracefilledplate.com. And Brandis is going to share her story of how she got started, how she's growing her business today. I love the focus of her business. It's unique. It's wonderful. And so we'll get to chat all about that. So welcome to the show, Brandis. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to speak to you and just to share about how, yeah, my blog has been through so many ups and downs, and I hope that it will encourage those who are just getting started. <laughs> yes, definitely. And I love hearing the ups and downs, right? Because it's so easy. If we see a success story online, it makes it seem like it's just this perfect like upward trajectory, and that's usually not the case. So yeah, yeah. I would love to hear first how you got started with your blog and how you grew it in those early days. Yeah. So it's really interesting. So I have been a personal trainer and nutrition coach for over 10 years. And I started working for a nutrition coaching company, just coaching online. So all of my clients were all over the world, like from Korea to, you know, down the street, just everywhere. And it went really well. I loved, loved, loved the job, but 
I'm a woman of faith. And so my faith was really important to me. And this particular job was not one that gave me the room to share that. And so I had decided to go and start a blog, which was a lot of fun. And I even got the blessing from my employer who was not of faith, which, you know, is fine. And they said it was good, you know, totally no problem at all. Just, you know, keep things separated and professional. Well, lo and behold, a little bit of time went by and I was fired for having different values. So just apparently, and I don't know the details. I didn't really care too much about the details because if we have different values, what, you know, what was it? And it was really felt like just God closing the door for me because I love that job so much. I would have never left on my own. So I had a choice, this great job that I love so much. Do I go out and get a quote unquote, you know, air quotes, we say a real job or do I go and try and do something on my own? And it was so neat. My grandma, like a little side trail here, but my grandma for years worked making $5 an hour at a preschool and she would tuck away a little bit of money for us grandkids. And so when she passed away, I had several thousand dollars that I had saved onto for years and I didn't want to just spend it on a couch or something that was just be here today and gone later. And so I pulled out that money and I decided to start my blog. And ironically, my blog in the beginning was called A Joyful Plate. And so I just signed up for Elite Blog Academy and got that going. Apparently, I'm not really great at trademark research, just so you know, don't ever ask me to do that. So I was just gaining traction, had some great posts, with like 100,000 shares on Pinterest. It was really going awesome. And I got this letter from a lawyer saying cease and desist for the name. And so, you know how you labor, I think choosing names for products and especially your blog and taglines is the most tedious and painful thing ever. It's just, you go around and around. And so I took me forever to pick out a joyful plate and grace filled plate was born in no time because I had to go ahead and re-trademark and rename and get a new URL and move everything over. And so that's how it started. So that was, I started blogging about three years ago. That happened about six to eight months in. It's all a blur. And then since then, it's just been a very slow build, but it's been really, really good. And, you know, I now understand why it's so important to have something you're passionate about because you put in all of these hours, unpaid hours in the beginning, (laughs) and then eventually it starts to become something. And now I feel like it's really becoming something. So yeah, it's been, it's been great, but it has caused me to grow so much as a person too, not just a businesswoman. Okay. So I love that Brandis. And I love that you brought up the fact that you spend a lot of time putting in those hours early on. You're not making a paycheck typically. I'd love to hear when was that first paycheck for you? When did you start to see things come together and feel like, okay, this could be, you know, a business that's bringing me some income? Yeah. So I definitely started out with the blogger mindset of, you know, the more content I have, the more views I'll get, you know, going for that advertising revenue. And so I would say I've had a mindset shift, which you'll kind of see as I'm working through the the numbers a little bit. But in the beginning, I would say the first year was nothing. (laughs) It was basically just me spending that little bit of cash that I had and creating content and spending, you know, weeks learning how to do a WordPress post because every technical issue that could possibly come up comes up when you're learning this stuff. So the first year was nothing. I mean, 4 a.m. mornings, staying up at night, nothing, you know? Um, 
but I knew that it was something. And the responses that I was getting from my audience, the people who I did actually connect with, just affirmed that this is something. So year two was like, okay. It's like I could get my daughter in childcare and then go get a part-time job, but it still wouldn't, it wouldn't like add up. I was making a little bit more than I would if I just went out and got something to kind of do. And then now year three is coming along and I've really shifted from being a blogger, meaning the content was what I offered. Like here's all my free content, take free content to more of a business person where people come to me for programs and my blog is just one part of my business that I'm like, wow, this is going to be the year where I hit the goals, you know, where I can start to save for retirement or save for that other house. Cause my husband and I are both self-employed and we have no, no retirement or anything. So we really need to be wise with that. So I would say the three-year mark was when it went to like, Hey, I can share this as a success story instead of being like, well, I'm a blogger and I'm trying really hard. And I think someday it's going to pay off. So I'm, amazed. I really am. So it's good. Yeah. I love it. So Brandis, I would love to hear a little bit more about how you got into creating those products. Because like you said, I think that is a huge transition for a lot of bloggers to go from, I'm creating content, I'm figuring out what my audience loves to, hmm, okay, I I would like to diversify past ad revenue and also have products to sell. Yeah. I think the like, which I hate the name of a tripwire. I think a tripwire is really the ideal way to put your toe in. Cause I started out with something that was $7 and in the beginning, you just like, I so over, like just blew people away with value. Cause I'm so afraid to charge enough, but just to put it out there and be like, somebody is actually willing to take their hard earned money and buy this. It was really good. And so it was a simple ebook guide. And then I moved on to what I felt was like the next step, which was also another ebook, which was a healthy habit planner, which taught my coaching practices. And you know, it was something, it went well, but it didn't meet the needs of my audience. And I failed to share a little bit about what my blog is about, but I help Christian women who have a really up and down roller coaster diet path. So sort of food issues, I help them to bring their faith into that aspect of their lives so that they can move past this restrictive all or nothing thinking that's driving them crazy and find that peace with food and just joy in their body so they can go live their lives and do what God has called them to do. Like, and so it was just, the planner was great and had the content, but people, my audience needs their arms lifted up. They need someone to really get in there and help them. And the courses came as a desire to really give them more. But I'll be honest, if the people who have followed me for the last two years, I thank them for their patience because I have done a course named this and then something about that wasn't quite right. And so I released it again with a little something different. And so it's totally proof that I'm past my fear of failure because I'm always putting stuff out there and kind of getting a feel for it, seeing how it goes, obviously giving a ton of value and being just like you are in it, right? Like people are seeing my face. I'm in there to support them all the time. But getting the product that worked took time. I even tried a membership for a little while. Wasn't a really good fit for me. It was just too much to do all the time. So I've re sort of moved into a product suites and a funnel and really works my email funnel into a way that I feel like it's helping my audience so much, but it's also honoring the way that I want my lifestyle to be, which is to be there to homeschool my daughter and not always be 
be able to take a week off and not feel like everything is going to completely fall apart. A lot of what works for my audience and what works for me and trying to find the crossroads of that has been where I believe that success has come in. Yeah. I love that. And you're right. It's, there is a lot of testing and tweaking. I feel like for me, I'm in, this is into year seven of Brilliant Business Moms. And I finally feel like I found my stride, (laughs) which sounds crazy to say. I've had a six-figure business for quite a few years, but as far as like, no, this is what I'm digging deep on. This is, this is the unique way that I can help others, right? Mm -hmm. So it sounds like for you, that's been a similar thing of figuring out what works for you and what works for your audience. And what's that unique combination that allows you to really help them? Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, it's permission to not have it figured out. You know, I feel so bad for kids. Now they go to middle school and they're figuring out what their degree is going to be. And it's like so hard because you don't know until you try something. I didn't know until I did a membership that it wasn't a good fit for me. And were those like, you know, hundreds of hours I put into it wasted. I could look at it that way or just say that I checked it off the box and now I'm able to kind of move on to what really does work for me. But yeah, it's, it's a molding process. And I don't think there's any failure as long as you're trying to put your reader, customer, client first, you know, in the midst of that, then they're going to be forgiving when you change the packaging and kind of rework the the entire offer five times. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're so right. If you're putting your customer first, you're focused on serving them. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I would love to hear a little bit more about those email funnels and how you're bringing people onto your list organically and selling to them through those email funnels. Yeah. So, wow, the last couple of months I started working with Lisa over at Copying Keyboard and then took your the Facebook Ads course and it is just transformed everything where now I have what I would consider, I I have a food freedom treasure map that I share with people. So they come in mainly from Pinterest, but now from Facebook ads, they're met with my tripwire, which is something I actually hesitated to make my tripwire because it's my most popular thing. Like I didn't want to give it a discount, but then I realized I need to like, wow, these people from the get go. So if I give it away a little bit cheaper, totally fine. They come into my email funnel that way. And then I give them a really high value, quick win, welcome sequence. And this took also a lot of tweaking. (laughs) The emails have been switched out many times, kept the ones that people responded to and they replied to, and then found, you know, just kind of swapping things out with the end goal of selling the first product that I have for them on my sort of food freedom treasure map that they follow. So they, they come in, they get the tripwire, then they go to my all or nothing course. And once they're in there, then they're going to move into a sequence that's going to share about the next step, which is my body image course. And thank goodness for convert kit, which you're actually the one who introduced me to convert kit um, a long time ago on a, on a webinar. Thank goodness that I can kind of tag things and just gently move people through the process that I have laid out for them. And this changed because it used to be, I would get emails asking me, Oh, what post do you have? Do you have like a download, blah, blah, blah. Now they call it, they, they email and they ask me for like, what program should I do? Because I positioned myself as someone who offers really valuable paid solutions instead of like, yeah, come get, you know, your free this and that little bits and pieces. Yeah. So it's value, but then also I think I'm finally getting the balance of giving them the small wins, but then the 
full shebang of everything step-by-step. I don't have to think about it. Let Brandis walk me through it is found in the courses, which is working really well. Love it. So this is a question I get asked all the time. And so I would love to ask you this because I know there's, there's not necessarily one right way to do this. Like I know the way I structure my email sequences, but I'm always curious to hear how others are doing it. Do you have kind of a bit of a flow in terms of like, okay, I'm going to do three value add quick win emails. Then I'm going to offer a a course. It's going to be for this many days and there's this level of scarcity attached to it. Like I would love to hear a few of those logistics because I know my listeners are also going to be like, how is she doing it? What, what are, you know, what does that setup look like? Yeah, absolutely. So this is still in the tweaking process, but at this point now, my welcome sequence is actually about three weeks long because it's a mini course that all of the lessons are kind of creating a bit of a need for the first product because the first product is about all or nothing thinking. And like I said, my reader, that is her biggest struggle. One bite turns into a binge kind of thing. That's where she is kind of living her space right now. So it's all great wins, but it's giving her a taste of the types of things that I would teach her in the course. So that's a little bit longer. And then my salesies, I'm going to say it's about five and I don't have any scarcity in things as of yet. Everything is very evergreen, always available other than my tripwire. And that may be the next step that I take. Right now, I'm more tweaking the, the offering in the email to see how that changes things. But yeah, that's, that's a great point of moving in there and being able to do it with integrity because I've been in some funnels where it just feels like they're manipulating the the numbers and the time in order to get me to buy when really I know I can just sign up with another email address and get it again later. And maybe that's just because I know how the back end works, but I don't want to be that person either. Yeah, that does make sense. And I would say too, cause I've definitely, I go back and forth on how much scarcity to do in those evergreen funnels because on the one hand, yeah, scarcity can be a great motivator. On the other hand, if you do a great job of showing the value of your product, the way that it helps, the transformation it can offer, then that person who's in that moment, they know they need the help. It's like, do they really need all these extra pushes to get them there? Or can you just, like you're saying, you've shown them the value you provide, you've already given them some wins. And so now they know, like they're, they're ready for your product. So... I love that you are spending a lot of time testing the content of those emails before testing, you know, some other features. Mm -hmm. So Brandis, do you have any data on, you know, the percentage of new email subscribers who go on to buy something from you or how many might buy a product from you in that first month? Anything like that? Oh, I'm so embarrassed. (laughs) No, that's okay because... I'm horrible at this stuff too. So don't, (laughs) I'm I'm getting there. Uh, Yeah. It's interesting. And it's the Facebook has ads have really helped me be more intentional about that because it's so cool. You, you go in, you see a Facebook ad and you think, Oh, this is my return on ad spend. But actually when you start to look at those qualified buyers who bought a higher price trip buyer, they're coming on to buy my other products. So I don't have specific numbers yet, but check back with me maybe next. 
<laughs> we'll do. We'll do. No, and I mean, I'm the same way because yeah. that's, for me, looking at ads dashboard is so fast and easy, but then trying to figure out stuff behind the scenes later is just, it tends to be a lot more tedious. So I, nice. yeah, I hear ya. So, okay. I would love to hear, and again, this is, if you don't mind sharing and if you do, that's fine. I would love to hear about how many email subscribers you bring on organically each month and I guess maybe a level of like product sales that you're able to bring in organically each month. Yeah. So I, it's interesting because I've always been a double opt-in girl for the longest time because I wanted to, I took great pride in the cleanliness and the engagement of my list. And so it was always double opt-in and probably getting about 50 email subscribers a day. And recently with the Facebook ads, I turned that off because I wanted the data from all of those people who are coming in so that I can get some information so Facebook can kind of get an idea of what my ideal person is. And that actually has not changed my engagement rate. I saw like a 40% open rate so far, which we'll see if that, if that continues. Okay. So I would love to hear Brandis your experience with running Facebook ads, how all of that's going for you. And also if you had any skepticism and doubts before you got started, I love for people to hear that too, because I think it's easy to assume that like, oh, everyone who's jumping into Facebook ads is jumping in with both feet and like they're confident it's going to work. And you know, but that's not always the case for everyone. So I like to hear that side of things too. Yeah. I believe Facebook ads and probably Pinterest ads eventually will be the game changer for me because I am super niched. I have SEO'd till my SEO or will SEO no more, you know, and like nobody's looking for me. You know, very few people are typing in, you know, Christian, non-diet Christian Bible study. Like it's just not something people are looking for. And so I have compromised on some of my keywording using the word diet and weight loss because that's what the woman who is searching for me needs. But Facebook ads allows me to, first of all, get off feeling like I have to always be posting stuff on Facebook because I'm not a Facebook person and just target directly that person who needs to see my post. It's just, it's amazing. And I'm so excited that I can reach her without you know, with an investment that pays back rather than having to just spend more and more time. And so, you know, I didn't really come in with a lot of doubts other than like in the beginning, you just saying spending $10 a day is like, oh my goodness, like you kind of like freaks you out a little bit. But then it only takes a couple of days and you begin to see the return on it and you get really, really excited about it. And just knowing that it's not you know, when, when I was doing Elite Blog Academy, one of their assignments is like run a Facebook ad. So basically everybody who does that assignment just throws 20 to $50 down the toilet because you just don't know what you're doing. You're just boosting a post and hoping people see it. But it took eight weeks of, isn't that how long it's, no, how long did it, we go into yeah, actually, I think eight it was, weeks. Yeah. Seven or eight weeks, which until <laughs> we went live. I know it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's like, there's the purpose in it and it's, I don't want to say complicated because it's not complicated, but it's complex. And the fact that it takes that bit of time shows you how you can outshine everybody else who's just throwing some money at the Facebook machine, hoping to get something back. And it's just been awesome. And I mean, since doing that, I've tripled my product sales. So I was making three times now over what I was making before. And my ads, I just bumped them up today to 
today to $30 a day. So I've been taking a very slow approach. Some of my stuff got flagged because who knows? And then I went in and I was like resubmitting the ads so many times to try a different copy. I had like 300 rejected ads. So I think that they were just turning me off immediately because I had so many rejected ads because I'd change one sentence and then send it back through and change another sentence. So I was able to reach out in the groups, the mastermind groups, some people suggested reach out to support and they were able to clear it out for me. And so now I've been rebuilding back up and the ads are doing great. I'm at like right now to three three and a half ROAS, which was better than before. So I'll take it. Okay. That's amazing. I did Uh not realize your return on ad spend. I knew you were doing great, but three and a half X return on ad spend. That's fabulous. And then of course, as you've mentioned, you've worked really hard on your email funnels behind the scenes. So you're getting an upfront every single day, three and a half times that $30 a day that you're putting in, but then you're also making sales on the back end through those email funnels. Yeah. And I feel like the Facebook users are more qualified. I don't know if that's a word I want to use, but like they're just have been more apt to buy the products online because they came in spending $17 versus me trying to like sell them something for $7 apologetically. Like they're just coming in, they're getting it. They know this is, you know, an advertisement and this is a place that sells things. So they come in knowing that they're going to buy things and it's great, you know, and you and I both agree, we talk money, money here, but it's really awesome to help these people that need the content that otherwise would not be able to find it or necessarily have access to it. Right. That is so true. Like you were just saying, a lot of women don't realize that someone like you is out there that Mm -hmm. is going to help them through their food struggles with a faith-based perspective. They're not necessarily searching for it because they don't necessarily know it exists, but then there you are, like you're in their newsfeed or in their Instagram feeds, like, hey, I can help you with this. There is a different way. There is a better way. We can tackle this together. And there you go. I love it. Okay. So Brandis, I would love to dig in for just a minute to potentially, and and maybe you're not even sure because I know Facebook can be super vague on like why they disapprove things. And sometimes they'll approve things and they'll let them run for a couple weeks. I've had this happen to me too. And then all of a sudden they're like, just kidding. We've decided we don't like this ad, but have you gotten any sense for the particular words or phrases or things that Facebook wasn't liking in your ads? I did use the word you a lot, which is funny because I've been following StoryBrand and Donald Miller and he sends out these little videos. And this one was like the one word that will sell anything. And it was you, like good copywriting uses the word you. So it's really hard to change it out. So I'm not sure exactly what flagged it because I try to stay away from diet and you know those particular words. I was doing well. And then when I started my re targeting ads, something I had in there, I think cued them on and then they bumped my other ads as well. So then I went in and just updated it and it seems okay. I spoke to Facebook and they looked at it and said, it looks great. Just send it in for you know them to look it over again. And it's, it's been fine and taking all the use out. I mean, it's actually my return on ad spend has increased. So yeah. who knows? <laughs> and maybe they're just showing it to more people because it, lines up better with their guidelines. I don't quite know how it works. I tend to personalize, like personify, you know, the Facebook algorithm where I don't know that it holds spite or any preferences, but maybe it does. 
Well, they do. I mean, they for sure looking at things like the ad score, you know, so the level of people that are engaging and clicking through that can affect your cost per thousand impressions, things like that. The results you're getting. Let's say, for example, you have really high click-through rates, but on the back end, no one's actually buying and you're optimizing for those purchases, those tripwire purchases. They basically can look at that and go, okay, well, that conversion percentage isn't very high. So people really aren't loving what she's doing that much. So mm-hmm. yeah, there. but you're right. Even the way I'm talking about it is like, it's this person <laughs> thinking behind the scenes. Whereas, yeah, it's really just the machine learning system that's taking all these data points together to make it work. But yeah, I do think there's a lot to be said as well for a, a really healthy ads account. I do think people who are constantly getting those disapprovals I think that can affect your performance over the long term. So I'm so glad that you you reached out, got it sorted. Those are basically cleared out of your account now, right? Or like someone on, on Facebook side. I'm not sure because I've not deleted the ads themselves because they had some like interesting information on them. So maybe that's not a bad idea. Just take some screenshots uh, or do a Loom video so I can go back and revisit it and just delete them and see if it gets all of my, my tries out of that account. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And if you do that though, I wouldn't delete them all at once. Cause that kind of, kind of like how Pinterest works or it's like, Oh, you don't want to take any extreme action okay. that like makes you look spammy. But if you do it like slowly, yeah. Okay. Over time. But yeah, what you're saying about the ad copy that has the word you, this is a mistake I see really often with advertisers. And you're so right that like Donald Miller says, and it's so true, we want our marketing to be centered around our customer. Like it's not all about us. It's about them. What's their problem? How can we help them? All of that. But then when it comes to Facebook ads, uh, their main issue with us always using the word you is they're saying that hey, you're kind of tying this potentially negative thing to a particular person. And so they don't want someone to be scrolling through their newsfeed and see something like, are you struggling with your weight? Because then that person feels like, and I'm not saying I know Mm -hmm. your ad copy was not that way, but then that person is looking at it going, oh, yikes, I've been like called out, you know, are you struggling with anxiety, whatever the case is. And so, yeah, that's where when it comes to our ad copy, we do have to get a little more creative sometimes. But oftentimes those simple little tweaks can make a big difference. So I'm so thrilled (laughs) that you're getting that three and a half X return on the front side of things. And then about how many new email subscribers are you adding to your list each day via ads? I think it's up to like, well, so it was 50, so probably like another 50 or so with ads. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're getting about 50 organic email subscribers a day. Now you've added 50 Facebook subscribers a day, but you've tripled your sales per day. So Mm -hmm. that I think is super interesting too, which I want to point out to people because I hear this all the time that people think growing your list via ads is you're going to get junk subscribers and it's not going to work. But yet at the same time, all it took was you matched that list size, but yet tripled your sales. So clearly mm-hmm. these are high these quality are subscribers. Yeah. They are like, I can't believe I found you. Yeah, this is amazing. So it's really uh, been awesome. And now yeah. these are my look 
alike audiences. I have didn't do well with the cold audience. So now that's my, I'm hoping that now that these ads have been running a while, the new approved ones under my lookalike, maybe when I move to cold, they'll have a better idea of who to, am, yeah. am I person? Am I, yeah. Person- <laughs> again, no, no, yeah. no. You're, you're so right because it's all about the data. So <laughs> because of that Facebook pixel, they're seeing every purchase that's happening on your site. And so now let's say, for example, you have several hundred purchases of this tripwire under your belt, or, you know, it might be more, they see that. So now when you try to do cold interest and you say, Hey, optimize for these tripwire purchases, they're like, great. We have some data on the back end. We know who these purchasers have been in the past and we can find you more people like that. So that is something I tell new advertisers as well is it kind of depends on, you know, how long have you had the pixel on your site? How many sales have you gotten thus far? Because if you don't have a lot of pixeled sales, it can take a little bit longer for Facebook to find that right buyer. But if you come in and you've already had some pixeled sales, then yeah, it's, I mean, honestly, sometimes it's crazy to me how fast people can see success with Mm -hmm. that first campaign because Facebook's like, oh, we know who these purchasers are. We've seen them happening on your site the last couple of months. So like, great, let's go. Let's do this. Awesome. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, I think you're going to do great with scaling out horizontally trying out some of those cold interests and for sure, please post, you know, post in the group and say, here's what I've tried in the past. Here's, you know, some of my new thoughts because I'm always amazed at what the other women come up with in terms Mm -hmm. of like a creative new angle for how to, how to target. So awesome. We'll do for sure. Well, Brandis, it's been so fun to chat with you and it's always a fun surprise when I get to chat with a student and they're doing even better (laughs) than what I thought they were doing. So that's always really fun. You've been working super hard. I love that you're finding more of your people using ads and just taking care of them really well and serving them really well. So as we wrap up, I would love to hear from you. Do you have either a funny or an adorable mom moment to share? Well, I just, I will share about my brilliant business kid and how my daughter just sees how much joy I have doing this, that she now had me create her, her own little, you know, we didn't want to give her a computer, but a paper or a laptop and she'll, she'll sit in her desk, which is her office in her room. She's four and she will do calls, zoom calls. I've heard her say, you know, Oh, Beth Ann. Cause she's heard me on your calls before. And she's talked about ads and, oh, I have a Voxer right now. So it's just so cute to see, I guess this is really a part of my life and she sees it and she sees how much joy I have in it and she wants to do it too. I yeah. love that. That oh, Yeah, that's awesome. So thank you again, Brandis. It's been so fun to chat with Definitely. you. And can you remind everyone where's the best place for them to find you online? Yes. My blog is Grace Filled Plate. So Grace Filled Plate. Dot com. Love it. Didn't you just love hearing from Brandis? She has such a strong focus on serving her customers, taking care of them well, giving them a different perspective on their struggles with food and she's crushing it in her business. She's finding more of her customers these days. She's three X her sales with a super reasonable amount of ad spend. I want to point out she's only spending 30 bucks a day, but yet she's been able to three X what she's done from her organic sales to yeah, what she's doing now after using ads. Now I think what's really fun is Brandis is seeing that three and a half 
X return on ad spend up front from her ads, but she's also getting sales through her email funnels behind the scenes. And the neat part is she doesn't have all sorts of gimmicks. There isn't some fancy evergreen webinar funnel. There aren't timers and all of these different pieces of scarcity happening. But because Brandis knows her customer so well, she cares for them. She has experience serving them with their struggles. She's tweaked her products and her messaging so that it fits them. It, it meets them exactly where they're at. She doesn't need all of these other scarcity factors to see results and see those sales behind the scenes. And I love the other point that Brandis made, which is she's not now just a blogger. She's not just someone who's putting out content for free because the minute she's welcoming someone into her funnel, number one, they see a product for sale. As soon as they get on her list, they see that tripwire offer. So they're introduced to the fact that, hey, I have things that you can buy from me that will help you push past this issue more quickly. So they're coming onto her list. They're fully aware that she sells things. So they're not outraged that she's talking about her products, but then she makes a point to give tons and tons of free value to show that she is the person that can help them, to show that she can give them the transformation they're looking for. And then of course, she's introducing them to her suite of products along the way. And I love what Brenda said about the fact that rather than be annoyed that she's selling and just wanting her to only give out free content, people actually come to her and ask her, which product is the right fit for me? Which thing should I buy next? Because they understand she's a business, she has products to sell, the products are helpful. And so people come and they ask her about that. So I want you to think about that. If you're a blogger and you've kind of been under the impression that your main mission as a blogger is to put out excellent free content to help people. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that mission. I think that is a great foundation to lay for your business, that you have free, helpful content that can bring people to your site, that can get people in the door. But eventually, you need to graduate on up. You need to graduate up to being a business owner who has products for sale, and you need to make it clear to those email subscribers and those blog readers that you are more than just a content factory. You have products for them to buy, and you don't need to be ashamed to sell them. You're a business owner, right? This is something that I find so interesting is if you compare like a shop owner to a blogger, so often I hear from my blogging students that once they develop a product and start trying to sell products to their email list, to their audience, they get complaints, they get the negative feedback, they get, you know, the rude comments. You don't see this with shop owners. And why, why is that? Because everybody knows that a shop exists to sell you things. This hair bow shop doesn't exist to just give you free content around hair bows. They exist to sell you hair bows. So part of it is the positioning. You need to make sure they know you have products to sell. You want them to treat you the same way they might treat another shop. The only difference might be that, hey, you have even more helpful content in your emails and more helpful content on your blog that supports the products you sell. But that content on your blog, like that is not the end product. You have more to offer than that. So just keep that in mind. And you know what? We've all faced those negative Nancys, those naysayers, the people that are going to complain about your price, complain that you're selling. 
It's happened to all of us, okay? So please don't think there's anything wrong with you, wrong with your products, anything like that if you start to get that negative feedback. You just need to understand that, you know what? It's a refining process of finding my ideal customers, of taking care of them, of making sure those are the people on my list. And it's okay. You can let everyone else go by the wayside and they can go complain on somebody else's blog, okay? So don't be afraid to sell. Don't be afraid to create the amazing products that you know can help your audience. And of course, if you want some help finding those ideal customers, I'd love to help you get a Facebook ad strategy working for you that finds you your dream people that are gonna join your list and they're gonna buy from you, not just once, but multiple times over the course of years. So if you're interested in learning more about my ads program, just head to brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash ads. That's ADS, brilliantbusinessmoms.com forward slash ADS. And of course, now it's your turn to head out there and be brilliant. Brilliant.